Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Sold and Kona Brewing. Uh, you can see in the NFL the trend of guys that most teams know are going to start on getting a lot of work in the preseason anyways, and so it's been good for the, the young guys to be able to show what they can do and get the majority of the reps. The home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Can take off 2022 with Wolf and Luke. Here at State Farm Stadium, Wolf, the field is gone. It's always such an empty feeling when the field is just completely left the building. Yeah, but thank goodness because the beeping is over at least. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> I told you. Crazy. I'm going to dress up like that guy who moves the field. I'm going to dress up like him for Halloween. He's got the white pants. He's clearly got some sort of sensor to move the field. He's got some boots on. He looks like a working man. He's okay. got some work boots on. There's no doubt. But he's always wearing the white it is right the there. There it is. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> yes, it's that's not what you were calling for. As, yeah, it's it's a little bit more spread out, a little bit more sporadic. And also, I don't Beep. notice it. Beep. You know, I mean, yeah. if you might, oh, that so was weird that, right that there. Was, I've never heard anybody <laughs> beep like that before. So that was great. That's going to be my Halloween outfit, the white pants, the boots, and okay. then just like a little field like hanging off my back like a cape. Kind of a, a working man, right? Yeah. That's, yeah all right. That specific work. Weren't you going to wear a jumpsuit out here? How did that not happen? I'm bringing it, was, it tomorrow, guys. There you go. Right tomorrow. There. Okay, Mel. You thank you. Surprise. Okay, It's not nice. a jumpsuit. It's like a... It's like a, it's a flight suit. Yeah, it's a flight oh, suit. Well, okay. Jumpsuit well, makes it sound like I, I don't know, work at a trampoline shop. It's kind of like spinning once again. You know, you don't want to call it spinning because it's just, I don't know, it's just spinning. A jumpsuit. Cliff just looks relaxed when he's out there. He's got a, he's got a relaxed outfit. Is I that a better way to put it? Yeah, sounds fine. He's more casual than, uh, not as casual as Bill Belichick with the sleeves cut off the hoodie. What do you want to talk about in this beautiful part uh, well, of the program? I, I want to mention to people first and foremost, uh, for Friday night's game, the depth chart the Cardinals put out is for Friday night's game. Colt McCoy is listed as the number one quarterback in that. He's, I don't know that he's not playing, but he's dealing with arm soreness after practice today. So actually, Trace McSorley, it sounds like, is going to start Friday's game for the Cardinals. Yes. So just be aware of that. You know what? Honestly, I'm looking forward to that because Trace McSorley, and we were talking about this earlier, this kid looks really, really good. Watching him throw the ball, he's made some beautiful throws. He hit Andy Isabella for a touchdown today that I thought was incredible. A great throw. Trace McSorley running the ball as well. Looks super athletic, man. And you know what also is interesting? Watch Cliff Kingsbury and how many times Cliff will look at Trace McSorley and just kind of give him a nod, right, and say something to him. That to me tells me an awful lot right there. Cliff, I think, is liking what he's seeing out of Trace McSorley. Now, it's practice, man. He's got to do it. He's got to do it in a game. But I'm really looking forward to that. I wonder if he's going to play a half. I would imagine he probably would. Well, you figure Kyler's not going to play, and it sounds like Colt McCoy may not play. They no, haven't no. said he's not playing. So. Yeah, he's not going to play, in so, my opinion. Then, yeah, why wouldn't you play Trace for a half? Yep. It's, not, it's not like you got to have him ready for week one. I mean, you don't want him to get hurt. But if I'm Trace McSorley, I'd rather play than be ready to hopefully be the third-string quarterback in week one against the Chiefs. Uh, looking at that depth chart specifically, 
specifically at tight end. They've got Steven Anderson one. They don't have Trey McBride or Max Williams listed until fourth. And then they have Zach Ertz fifth. So I don't think we're seeing any of these weapons at tight end on Friday. But as far as week one, Max Williams is out there today. And they asked him yesterday, hey, do you think you might play against the Chiefs? Taking it day by day. Obviously, you're going to ask me my what I expect and what I would want. And of course, my goal would always be play week one. But for me right now, it's how can I get better the rest of this day and get ready for tomorrow and make that progression slowly. I don't want to rush anything and try to get ahead of myself. And then all of a sudden, things are going bad quick. And then I look like an idiot come week two. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting on the bench because I wasn't ready. This is the definition right here of easing somebody back into it. We all remember what happened to Max Williams. That was a gruesome knee injury. We all saw it. You could tell he blew his ACL, maybe his MCL, blew every tendon in his knee out just watching it. That was very, very gruesome. This is going to be the definition of bringing back a player slowly, and I think rightfully so. For me right now, I can't even believe that I saw Max Williams out on the field taking reps today. It was the story, the biggest story of today. Two of them. Hollywood Brown being out there in full gear and practicing. And Max Williams as well. Actually, not only in full pads, but actually in team. 11 on 11. Coming off the ball. The very first rep, Basinonians, that Max Williams was in on 11 on 11. They ran right at him. It was awesome. The counter tray, he blocked down. They ran right at him. He blocked down. And that's really, really an important block to block down. That down block has got to be strong, and it was with Max. And then the guard kicked out the end man in the line of scrimmage, and the tackle went up around through the hole. It's called counter tray, baby. And then the next play, they lined up in 13 personnel. One back, three tight ends. Max Williams was out there again, and they ran an inside zone with a quarterback under center. Balance is what Max Williams brings to this offense. Balance. And I was happy to see him out there getting live reps, man. It blew me away. I, I'm not I'm not surprised that he's not on the depth chart for Friday. I mean, you're talking about maybe he could play in week one. Why in the world would you ever even consider rushing him back for the first preseason game? Obviously. Zach Ertz, I'm not surprised. He's fifth among tight ends. I'm probably going to see Zach Ertz. I'm a little surprised we're not, at least according to this depth chart, he hasn't been like ruled out of the game, but it doesn't look like they intend to play Trey McBride much on Friday. Now, they still could, and maybe maybe he's a little further down on this depth chart because they don't know how the week's going to progress for him. He's been dealing with that sore back, and maybe, ideally, they still do play him on Friday. But as it stands right now, looking at that chart, it doesn't seem like they're all that hopeful he's going to play much on Friday. Yeah, you know, honestly, I just get nervous listening to this. This is just me. I get nervous when you talk about a sore back. Yeah, I do too. You, you, a, like young guy, yeah. a young guy like that, um, now all of a sudden, you know, a young guy that you really need to be that wide tight end, that that stud tight end coming off the ball and actually hitting somebody with your – I mean – I, it, it makes me a little nervous, it does, when the guy has a sore back. Now, again, I have no idea. Maybe he just slept on it in a really, really weird way. But, 
Yeah, I want to see Trey McBride get more reps at the Y, which is the stud tight end, in line than I do at the, as the move tight end as the H. I want to see him get more reps with the stud. All right, we come back. What is the future of Kevin Durant in Brooklyn, or where is his future? We're going to ask ESPN NBA front office insider Bobby Marks, who will join us next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, back out here at State Farm Stadium, but obviously basketball is on our mind right now. So we are joined on the Arizona Sports Line by Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. Bobby, uh, thank you for the time. We we let you take a vacation. We stopped calling you, but now we're calling you again about Kevin Durant. Hey guys, how are you? Uh, we're doing well, Bobby. We're good. We're we're trying to make sense out of what sure felt like an ultimatum from Kevin Durant over the weekend. If you were if you were Joe Sy, how would you be handling this? Probably the way he, you know, he sent out a tweet, and you know, I'm, I'm basically I'm sticking with you know my coach, and I'm sticking with my general manager, and you know, basically he kind of drew a line in the sand, and he picked what side he's, he's picking. I think if if Steve Nash was going to be let go, it was going to be after the Boston series, and um, so I think you know certainly I think from Joe Sy's perspective, it's not like hey, you know, we're going to let both guys go. I, I have never seen a, a demand like that before. I've seen it for coaches. I've never seen where you're going to hit both. You're going to get both guys here, and and I know how great of a player Kevin Durant here is, but is. But I think eventually you got to put up a little bit of a stand here. And you know, what's to say that it's you know you make a decision to let Steve or Sean go, and now it's going to be the next coach next year who he's not happy with, or the following year here. And I'm just curious as far as what's changed since um, since late April when they were eliminated from by Boston and he went on you know he went on um, after the game in this press conference and, ba- and gave his full-fledged support behind Steve and you know based on COVID related issues and injuries here and how what type of job um, that, that Steve did here so for me if I'm ownership I'm not I'm not doing anything you know I think you will see if Kevin Durant shows up for training camp I think that's going to be the big thing here and at the end of September because I think we're still in the same position as far as trade perspective as far as what teams have to offer and then Brooklyn's still kind of waiting for that, that perfect or close to a perfect trade. Bobby, can I ask you, what do you know of Kevin Durant as a man? What do you know of Kevin Durant as a teammate? Um, and if you were a general manager, would you be worried about the impact he might actually have inside a locker room? I would be concerned um, the ability to change his mind um, so consistently. Like, okay, I wanted to be traded on June 30th. Okay. Well, now a month later or six weeks later, um, I don't want to be traded, but it has to be, you know, two to two um, executives have to go and I'll be content staying here. So wait a minute, you, do you want to be traded or you don't want to be traded here? So that would be my concern here as far as if, if I'm a team out there, it's, it's going to have to give up 
you know, four first round picks and a couple good players here. Like, what's the commitment going to be the other way around? And I think, you know, certainly in, in Phoenix, you can say, well, we've got Monty and we've got, um, you know, we've got James, guys who've played relationships here. But I, I mean, that might wear off in a year or two years here and, and, and from there. So, I, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's my, that's the hard part for me is how much, how much can I, uh, how much can I uh, trust them? Because on paper, guys, you know, this, what they have coming back, and I know there's a lot of what ifs with Kyrie and Ben Simmons, but I think this is probably the best team that Durant will, will be on, has been on since he's been there in, in, um, in Brooklyn. I know certainly last year at Harden, you know, we can make, maybe make an argument for that, but I think how the, and then they built out their bench and, um, if everybody's healthy, I think they're a team that can compete, um, for, a, for an Eastern to get out of the East here, but it might be a question is like, what makes, again, the unknown is what makes Kevin Durant happy? Yeah. I don't know if anyone of us knows that. We're talking to Bobby Marks. Uh, Bobby, you pointed out it, it doesn't. This isn't common to see a guy say, "Okay, I want the coach out of here and the GM out of here." Um, in your mind, is it like it, like let's just say Joe Sy did that and he got rid of those guys? I mean, then you have to worry about it. Does Kevin Durant get to pick the next coach and GM? Do you think that that was actually a ploy to, to stick around and have that happen, or do you think Kevin Durant's trying to force his way out now? I think what's happened is that Kevin Durant has looked at the calendar and we're at August 9th and he's thinking, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm still on the Nets and we're five weeks after I asked to be traded and training camp is in, in six weeks here. Now what happens here? I think it's kind of like, you know, kind of a DEFCON 5 move um, to try to force to force their hands and I think it's probably going to backfire um, because I don't think it moves the needle one bit as far as him demanding Steve or uh, Sean to, to, to be let go here. I think the offers are the offers. And I think, I think would, I, we've talked about it too. I think a lot of it would be a lot easier if they had all their picks and they were able to just bottom out here. They can't do it. I mean, they, they have to wait no matter what happens. They have to wait for the right, the, um, somewhat of the right deal here. So, um, but yeah, I just think, I think from, you know, Durant's perspective, it's just basically, hey, I'm, what else can I, how else can I force the issue here? And basically how it's forced is that team like Boston offers more or, or a team like Toronto offers more. You know, so, you know, what Phoenix has to offer, um, you know, in, in that regards here. So, I just I'm still in the belief we this lingers into training camp. I think the big decision will be what happens in Brooklyn when it does. If does he show up? Or we have, do we have a Ben Simmons situation again? Um, and then how long does you know how long is he um, you know how long is he with the Nets? You know, Bobby, I realize it may be an exercise in futility, but I'm going to ask you anyways. Do you have a top three in terms of teams that you think are still in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes right now? And if so, what are they? I think probably more two. I mean, I think certainly Boston's intriguing with, with Jalen Brown, but you're not going to get everything. You know, you'll get Brown and, you know, some salary filler and probably one or two first-round picks. I mean, I think, I think Boston looks at Brown as a top two. 20 player and wait a minute we're giving away a top 20 player for certainly a top five player here um, but you're not going to you're not going to get Marcus Smart and three first round picks and another player here so I think I think Boston just from the, the player perspective with Brown I think Toronto of course will probably always be there and certainly not talking about Scotty Barnes but 
when you look at um, when you look at you know Siak, Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and you know draft picks that they have to offer here. You know, still, I mean, Phoenix is just the challenges as, as far as you know with no eight and um, you know mm-hmm. do you do you want to do Mikhail and Crowder and um, Cam Johnson and draft picks and stuff like that. I think I think a lot of these teams are like I, I call them January teams. When I said it earlier on TV, basically January a January team is like you're looking at the standings and you're like, uh oh, we're in the sixth hole. We're we're supposed to win, be the number one seed or number two seed. We might have to do something here if it's even if it's giving up more than what um, we're willing to kind of we were willing to give up back in uh, in mid August. Talking to Bobby Marks, yeah, that was kind of my reaction yesterday. Of this, this felt like Kevin Durant forcing the issue, but I don't know that that's great timing for the Suns if something happens soon. But Bobby, it sounds like you don't necessarily think that he's going to speed things up by what happened this weekend. So, best case <laughs> no. scenario with that, it's for the Suns. Is it still just drags on into the season? Yeah, best case scenario is that we're talking on January 15th and Kevin Durant's still in that sheet of form. I think that's probably the best case scenario. And then I think, I think then you can maybe do, you can maybe do eight and then, um, maybe Cam and you keep Mikhail and you can work around that and then we'll see what happens if maybe there are other better offers here. But I think, yeah, I think better certainly the, the longer this prolongs, I think certainly it, it helps, it helps Phoenix because I think they're really in a, in a, you know, right now, certainly in a challenging position. You know, for me, Bobby, as a former player, of course, um, chemistry matters inside that locker room on the tactical level. It really matters to me. And yet it's interesting because I'm talking to you and you're more on the strategic level as a general manager. Here's the what we're going to do as opposed to the how we're actually going to do it right now. And it's fascinating to me because uh, I know that Kevin Durant is as a talent. Oh, my goodness. He. He's, he's as good as it gets for the most part, and yet at the same time, I keep focusing on the chemistry inside that locker room. The Suns, Bobby, as you know, this was one of their strengths last year, was the chemistry and the culture inside that locker room. So that's the thing that worries me about Kevin Durant, because it always does seem to be an issue with him wherever he goes. He doesn't seem to be happy. Have you known players that are like that, Bobby, that had to have the stars aligned for them to actually be happy? No, I mean, I mean, certainly, I mean, when we went through in New Jersey with Jason, but that was towards the end, and Jason Kidd had realized, like, you know, this this roster had basically run its course, and you know, Jason certainly wanted to go elsewhere in, in the tail end of his of his career. But I just, I've never seen it. Um, I've never seen it to this ex, this extent here. And I, I guess you know maybe Houston would harden, but that was different because everyone has had basically been, had gone, and they were basically. Um, you know, rebuilding that that roster here, but I've never really seen it where a team that, you know, potentially could be a top four team in the Eastern Conference and a player is asking to be traded. And but uh, but I'll return and have you know two guys fired if, if they do so here. So you're right. I mean, there's the chemistry element of it. There's the leadership element over here, and I think the leadership kind of when you already have guys like uh, Chris and you know Devin there already. I think that's the big issue. What happened in Brooklyn? There's no leaders there. There's from a leadership standpoint in that locker room. It's not Durant. 
not Kyrie. Uh, it wasn't Harden. Um, kind of who's going to kind of keep guys accountable here? And I think you do have that in Phoenix. So I think that's I, – I, I understand the chemistry part of it, but and I think that's going to be interesting as far as what the chemistry part of it for, in Phoenix coming off that disappointing end of the year, um, the continuity factor. Everybody's yeah. back. Um, I, I'm expecting them to get off to a good start, but what happens when you get a little bit of adversity? Maybe you're 5-5 five and five to start the season. Is there a little bit of adversity come by? But, yeah, I mean, I think you have to factor in all that there. Bobby Marks, great stuff as always. We Thanks, always Bobby. enjoy talking to you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. That's Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider, joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. You know, it's funny. Well, I know we got to get to the break, but listening to him talk, it kind of crystallized something. If you're the Suns and you're going to get him, do you want to get him now and you have to give up Mikel, or do you want to get him in February and you have to give up DA? Like, would you rather have Chris Paul? Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. If that's if those are your three, would you rather those three with Mikel or with Da? Can I see what Da does? <laughs> Can I see that first? I guess you've had a few years to see what he does. No, but now under this new contract. All right, all right. I'm sure we're going to talk about this again. Text us your thoughts to the Fanduel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. When we come back, one of the biggest names in football is making his way back, and the NFL wants its on-field officials to focus on one thing in twenty two. We'll tell you what next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on ninety eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. Ask. Arizona's Sports Station. Okay, time to go around the National Football League here quickly, Wolf. And I'm going to start with the, the quick note that uh, Joe Burrow has started throwing passes at Bengals training camp. I'm not a Bengals fan. I don't care about the Bengals, but I do like Joe Burrow quite a bit, so that's good to hear. Yeah, you know what? I do, too. Joe Burrow um, got a lot of swag. I think that's why everybody likes him, right? I just got a little swag to him right there. Kind of an old soul smoking the cigar Reminds as me well. a lot of Kurt Warner. Yeah. Really? Interesting. Oh, remember NFL comp? Hall of Fame quarterback? <laughs> right, exactly. No, I totally disagree. It reminds right me there. of Macaulay Culkin I, with attitude. No, uh, you know what? I love that, though. It's good for Joe Burrow. Okay, Joe. Is that your way of that moving was it. on? That's when Wolf claps, we just move on. Uh, how about this, Wolf? NFL asking on-field officials to focus on illegal contact fouls during this upcoming season. Officials flagged illegal contact an average of 97 times per season from 2002 to 2020, but that number dropped to just 36 last season. Yeah, there's going to be an emphasis on this. A clarification is what they're calling it, the NFL, as a matter of fact. Hopefully, this is not going to spike illegal contact. No, that's, through I hate the that. it's Hopefully, it's not going to happen. Although, I will say, every time they've made it a point of emphasis over, let's see, the last 15 years, it has spiked both times. It, that almost reads like a, you guys aren't hitting your quota, so 36 is not enough. Let's get closer to 97. And when they're calling it 97 times per season. I, I cannot stand that. It sucks penalty. the life out of a game. Can't stand that penalty. An automatic first down. Stop it. Uh, it also says they're going to they're gonna look a little closer at roughing the passer scrutiny. Um, and that's more of a clarification thing. Man, do I love 
love that. Yeah, I do too because I hate it. Just, just basically the way I'm reading this is okay. Uh, yeah, that guy was going after Brady, and as Brady was releasing the ball, the, the, that whoever, let's say Roquan Smith, because we're about to talk about him, his hand kind of brushes Brady's shin, and he gets uh, he gets roughing the passer. Yes, whether it was a a shin, somebody reaching for the quarterback and hitting his leg as he's trying to throw. Sorry, I'm on the ground. I'm playing football. What am I supposed to do? Sack. So yeah, they're gonna they're gonna take that into account as as well as these brushes against the helmet that drive me absolutely nuts. Use a little bit of clarity when it comes to this, and that's what I think the league is gonna do. You know what they're doing? They're actually trying to make it a little bit more difficult on the offense, which I love. Because they need to balance it out. They've handicapped and handcuffed the defense so much. They need to do this and continue to do it. You could make a case. What was that? That was the 2018 season. There was that Chiefs Patriots in the AFC Championship. There were a couple plays where it's like, did they really rough Brady there? Exactly. Or did he just happen to be on the same field awful. as Brady? And yeah, maybe it was the letter of the law, but it's got to be football too. I get, there's a difference between yeah, the quarterback threw the ball and then you drove your helmet into his knee and you're trying to tackle him and then at the last second you bump him as he's throwing. Like, come on, he can't be taking. The best plays out of the game. Uh, Roquan Smith, since I did bring him up, is apparently requesting a trade out of Chicago. So what is this? His fourth year coming up, right? I think so, so yeah. So here it is, of course, taking number eight overall, and man, he is good. And I mean real good. Um, love Roquan Smith. He's produced for him, but now after three seasons, he wants to get paid. Oh, this is his fifth. He's going into this his fifth. This is his fifth. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Going into his fifth season. Um, still, I would pay him at some point in time. He's that good. He's already got five interceptions, which is not not necessarily something you would expect from a guy at his position. Um, He's also very, very good in terms of rushing the quarterback when they blitz Roquan Smith. And, of course, just making tackles all over the field. As a matter of fact, I think the least amount of tackles he's had is 101 in the league. How the did you know that off the top of your head? Because I was reading this earlier about Roquan. All right. Yeah, it was. Uh, he had 122 as a rookie, 101, then 139, and 163. I mean, so. think about that. He, that is production. If he, if they want to trade him, they'll be able to trade him. That, that won't be an issue, although I'm guessing the bigger issue is they probably don't want to trade him. Uh, Vegas, the team the Cardinals will see in week two, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, not trading Josh Jacobs. Josh McDaniels kind of shut that down. I don't really know why that was ever even a thought. Well, it was because they played him as much as they did in the first preseason game. Here it is, the Hall of Fame game. They're playing him. They're giving him the ball as well. That was weird. They were, that was weird. What, six touches, I think, in the game. They're getting, no, actually it was more than that. It was like eight. And everyone was wondering, what are you doing? What are you, what are you showcasing this guy? Is that what you're doing for a possible trade? That's what people thought. And um, no go, man. I love Josh Jacobs. When, it, when you talk about running backs, especially in that scheme, yeah, there's no doubt about it. He's he's a motor. Yeah, and he's only 24. Now, I know Alabama running back, so sometimes you wonder if they basically played an NFL season for Nick Saban. But um, 
Only 24. Hey, he's under 25. There it is. <laughs> he's probably on that list. Boy. Pull, pull your list up here. Uh, did you hear, what was Nick Saban's quote the other day? He said last year was a rebuilding year. Did you hear that? No, we I did not hear that. that I honestly ignore Nick. <laughs> You've been ignoring Nick for a while, haven't you? Long time. Isn't you, that right, Bill Belichick? You ignored Nick when, when Nick was a coach on your team. Exactly right. Defensive coordinator Nick. Don't talk to me. Uh, one more here, too. Hard Knocks starts tonight. I know you're all over that, Wolf. You know, it was so funny because the Pixie, of course, was asking me if, in fact, I was going to watch Hard Knocks. And have I watched Hard You know what? I lived it. That's my problem. I lived it. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not still trying out to, here. I'm not trying to say, oh, look at me. You know, but I, um, why would I watch it? I lived it. Look, you are one of those people where you would either go that way with it or you would re-watch every season leading into the new season. You're out here at training camp even on your off days. Yeah, I know. It's just honestly, though, I wonder about that. Do you really act when you've got a camera on you? Just base it on these. Wherever you are right now, stop and think about it. If you got a camera and a microphone on you, are you going to act the same or are you going to change? One way or the other, are you going to put a governor on yourself, or are you going to start acting like, look, everybody, I'm a circus clown? You know, I mean, well, what are you going to do? you're wearing a microphone. Is this how you normally act? Uh, typically. Yeah, it is. I, <laughs> it's 100%. Typically, right. But I get paid to do this okay. as well. So, you know, right now, I just don't like it. I don't like it because the sanctity of the locker room is under attack. Did you see that clip of Jamal Williams? Now, I'm assuming that's from Hard Knocks. There's not a lot of Lions clips floating around the internet. Did yeah, you see with Jamal moments? Williams, yeah. the running back for yeah. the Detroit Lions, yes. sort of crying. And see, I didn't even notice that part of it yeah. until you pointed it out, but I just, that is, I watched that clip and I was like, I kind of care about the Lions. What just happened to me? <laughs> Boy, did they suck you in. Oh my goodness. Well, previously, they you were just sucked. out there. You could care less about the Detroit Lions. And all of a sudden, Hard Knocks just reached out and grabbed you that's, and sucked you in. That's what they do. I'll I'll be watching. Now, I don't know that I'll still be caring about the Lions in week one. We'll see how good of a job Hard Knocks does, but I'll care about the Lions for the next five weeks when the games don't actually matter. Man, the Lions, there's a lot of crying going on with the Lions, um, including their head coach. Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. We should set the over-under right now. We haven't seen a single episode of Hard Knocks. It hasn't aired yet. Over-under two and a half people crying. I'll watch. I know you're not going to, but I'll watch the five weeks. Over-under two and a half, knowing that Jamal Williams is that clip's in there. Luke, you know what? You watch Watch it. I'll and do then that. You tell me. I'll tell you. But you got to pick over, under, two and a half. I'm going under. You're going up because we already know Jamal Williams does cry Just once. Saying. Okay. I mean, I'm going under. All right. Over, under has been set at two and a half. At I, some point in time, Dan Campbell's going to say, don't you dare. All right. I started crying. Don't you dare run that again. Don't show that again. I'm sure at some point he's going to stand up and say, stop it. If they show it, Either it that or Rick Spielman, not Rick Spielman, Chris Spielman will fight him. <laughs> Maybe that's what'll happen, that's, right? See, there. you got to watch if Chris Spielman's going to fight Dan Campbell. Spiels would fight Campbell in a heartbeat. All right, final segment of the show coming up. We'll get you some sound from the players after today's practice out here at State Farm Stadium. <laughs> it's the Wolf and Luke Show on ninety-eight-seven FM Arizona Sports Station. <laughs> 
Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Kona Brewing. Everyone's excited about this year, especially on offense. We got the tools to be a really good offense. It's the start of a special journey. This group we have staff-wise, player-wise, it'll never be the same again. You want to make it count and, and make sure uh, we all put our best foot forward. The home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. Yeah, it's been great being out here at State Farm Stadium. We'll still be out here again tomorrow, Wolf, but I don't even remember what the Octane Community Studios look like. I feel like it's been like two weeks since we've been back in the building. Yeah, it really has, though. I'm with you on that. It's been a good experience out here. It's been fun. We've had a good line of guests every day. Rondale Moore, I thought, was really good today. Um, Eno Benjamin spoke. We had him last week. He spoke to the media. I'm going to play a couple clips from him in just a second. I think Eno, Eno and Will Hernandez, since we've started the show, I think we've had them... Well, and Bobby Marks, more than anybody. I think yeah. I think Eno and Will have each been on the show three times. Yeah, Bobby Marks, though. Excellent, he's, as always. Yeah, he's so good. Uh, this is Cliff Kingsbury from After Practice today. Asked if, uh, if Kyler's experience being on the headset a couple weeks ago, if he thinks that's helping him. It is, yeah. We want to keep him locked in and uh, involved with everything going on and um, let him kind of see the defense from a different angle and perspective and continue to um, you know, make some of those calls. So, Wolf, you mentioned the stories, uh, stories of the day for you were Max Williams and Hollywood Brown out there. Yeah. Uh, and I, I would agree, big picture, those are the stories of the day. For the specifically this preseason game coming up on Friday, the preseason opener against the Bengals, one of the big stories is Colt McCoy dealing with a sore arm. So even though he was listed as the number one on the depth chart for that game, uh, Cliff says Trace McSorley is going to start. I am. Yeah, Trace will start um, the game and get a bunch of reps and has done a really nice job when he comes in there. I like how he plays. got some swagger, got some moxie, and, and moves around and extends plays, so I'm excited to watch him play. Man, you know what? That is something that I've noticed, too. I, Cliff is not just giving you lip service, sir. He is not. I think he really means it. You said that before you heard him say that. That's exactly right. I, I said that watching Cliff Kingsbury coach Trace McSorley. You could see it after Trace, and Trace McSorley has had an excellent camp base in audience right now. You need to know that. Trace McSorley, going into the first preseason game, of course, he's had a really good camp. He has flashed. And when I say that, not only making plays, but how he's making plays. Some of the throws that he made. There was a throw he made to Andy Isabella for a touchdown today. That was unbelievable. Beautiful read by him. Beautiful Beautiful route, beautiful catch by Andy Isabella. Touchdown. Um, Trace McSorley's looked really, really good. And you know what? It's it's not just throwing it. It's also using his legs. You heard him right there talking about extending plays. You can see it, too. He's done it a few times. One of the plays where I was just watching earlier when they had Isaiah Simmons on, on the left side blitzing with a bunch of other guys. McSorley just took off to his left, away from everybody, and just picked up like 11 yards like he, it was nothing. And he runs well, doesn't he? Does. He? he does you run well. see he runs very, very well. So a much better athlete than what I thought. Trace McSorley, I'm very interested to see how he plays Friday night. Uh, sticking at quarterback, Cliff was asked if Kyler's wrist is still bothering him because we really haven't seen Kyler a ton. Not much. I think it's it's more maintenance at this point. He's, he's progressing through. We put him on a protocol as well just to be smart. So I expect to see more of him as um, you know we get in the next week. Makes sense. 
We're yeah. still we're still a month away, over a month away from the first actual game. You know, if somebody told me that you didn't have an appearance by Kyler Murray in the preseason, <laughs> I, I would believe you. Uh, I was talking to a good friend of mine about that earlier. He actually said that, no, you know what, I could see him definitely playing the nationally televised game, right? The black, Baltimore? The black helmets they're going to be wearing for that game, the Baltimore Ravens game, of course. Maybe that's what it's going to be. I like those helmets. I think he's right about that, too. I think he, he, it makes an awful lot of sense. Yeah, but so he'll be out there for two series or whatever. Yeah, maybe one. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> well, what if that That's first series is goofy three right plays. there? You're right. He got, on the sidelines, he can just hold the black helmet afterwards. Yeah, and remember how little he played last year, and everyone, including myself, was like, man, I don't like this. This is a, What are you doing? I mean, get out there. Take some snaps right there in preseason. I remember you told Cliff that. I think it was after the Tennessee game when he was we were out in Tempe to do the uh, – this was off the air. Cliff yeah. like, look at the rest of the league. Yeah. These guys don't play much. That's exactly right. And then, of course – Kyla Murray and the Arizona Cardinals offense, they went on a tear for the first seven weeks of the season. Uh, Eno Benjamin has been a talk of, of camp and, uh, and mini camp. He spoke today about how much James Conner has helped him. I would say uh, James Conner. Um, he's just a vet. He's a guy who's done there or been there, done it before, and he's actually had Le'Veon Bell um, to um, lean on as far as well when he was a, a bit younger. So just having him, and then you've got players like Hop, I mean, even A.J. Green, if you sit down and talk to him a little bit, um, he has some definite, uh, definite words of encouragement and, and how what it takes to be there and uh, do it so long. Yeah, see, you know, told us last week the first thing he does when he gets on a new team is makes friends with somebody on the offensive line, yeah. so he can get in like on their meals and he knows they'll block for him. I feel like Eno just walks around and talks to everybody he possibly can. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting to hear that right there, James Conner. That's not a surprise. What I love. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, he keeps coming up in a lot of these conversations. It's so cool to hear this. We hear this from a lot of players, man. D-Hop. See, this is real leadership, Basinonians, is you walking up to somebody else and keeping them accountable. And you hold yourself to a level of accountability you won't hold any of them to. I'm wondering if D-Hop, I'm wondering if D-Hop isn't one of these guys in the locker room. The more and more evidence I hear, it's starting to stack up where DeAndre Hopkins, he doesn't care if you're offense, defense, whatever position you he's going to walk up on you and say something to you. Isn't that right, Isaiah Simmons? That's true. That's the guy we heard last week. Two guys you wouldn't, like you would expect Rondale Moore. Oh yeah, DeAndre Hopkins has been instrumental. But we just heard Eno Benjamin last week. We heard Isaiah Simmons. What are you talking about? What What's Hop saying to him? I don't even know what Isaiah Simmons is. He's everything, but it's all on defense. And Hopkins talking to him, too. I love that. What about what about the the word that we heard from uh, DeAndre Hopkins and the fact that he would keep J.J. Watt mm-hmm. accountable on the sideline and J.J. would do the same thing to him? This is the beauty of it, man. Accountability. That's leadership more than anything else. All right, we're done. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morris, and Lauren Koval, Byron Oliver for Wolf. I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gamma next on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.